On today's show, it's time to start proving the offseason. We're going to do our first three of our 10 things that are going to define the Cavs offseason. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Manning. I cover the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks, SB Nation, and Cleveland Magazine. That man over there is Evan Damerel, the founder, the proprietor, the head honcho of Right Down Euclid. As always, we have Jake Stevens uh, producing. Check out the Merrier on, on Spotify. All right. Our shows today, tomorrow and the next day are going to be going through 10 things about the Cavs offseason. They're going to define it. The free agency is coming up. We will do big free agency previews, player profiles and things that week. The draft is next week. We'll talk about the draft in some capacity next, next week as well, although the Cavs have one pick. So it, and it's, you know, I, it's, I don't know if me. we're, Evan, Evan's going to, Pick, take another center in the second round is what's going to happen. No, but, it's me. I'm the pick at oh. five foot eleven from the University of Akron at thirty years old. Evan Damerel. I mean, congratulations. Never played any form of competitive basketball whatsoever. Just lighting money on fire. Good job, Cavs. But we're going to start today just looking bigger picture at some of these things. Evan, you are going to give. What is your first one? What is your first thing that is going to define the Cavs season? We're each going to do five. Mm-hmm. Evan's going to go, then me. We're going to alternate through these three episodes. Evan, what is your first one? So, as you had mentioned, the Cavs don't have any stock in this upcoming draft. That first-round pick they could have had was what they traded with Ricky Rubio for Karis LeVert. So, the focus is going to have to be on free agency, where their options are somewhat limited, like the draft. Um, they have the mid-level exception. They have a couple of other options. They also obviously have vet mins. They have three two-way contracts to play with now but those only go so far of course so you have to just kind of find this balance um you don't need to find an all-star this offseason whether it's trade but if it's just free agency you're not going to really find it because the market isn't super inspiring at the moment but you you kind of have to get creative and see what ways you can um prioritize what kobe altman really like stressed during his end of season uh media build like just shooting and just depth on the perimeter. And maybe even if they aren't guys that quote, quote, move the needle as Altman would put it, like you need to really make priority and focus because your biggest flaws got exposed on the postseason stage. You need to make some type of growth to run out the rest of this rotation. So you don't have five or possibly six viable players in your depth chart, uh, either in the regular season or the playoffs. Yeah, one of mine is what do they do with the MLE? Because this is this is the one free agency lever that they have. The MLE is the one lever they really have to pull in free agency. That is a tricky place to be. Uh, this also isn't a great free agency class. So how do they approach this? You know, I, I don't think you want to get it yourself a new position, Evan. Where like if you're the if you're the Cavs, I don't think you want to overspend not that you really can but I, I think you should be kind of particular and you especially when you look at the wings there's we're not like staring at a great market for wings um 
Like Harrison Barnes would be interesting. I I don't I don't know if you're going to get him at the MLE rate. You're not going to get Jeremy Grant at the MLE rate. You know, Kelly Oubre doesn't really move the needle for me, and he made about the MLE last year. Dylan Brooks is like a is is a thing that I think we will probably talk about, but like I don't think that he would help. But I don't think he totally like blows my doors. So if you go down the list, there's no one like Bruce Brown would be like the perfect fit if I got the picks in one. But I don't really know if you're going to get Bruce Brown, right? It seems like he he has he said after they win the title, obviously heat of the moment. Money is not the most important thing I want to stay. So we'll see if that happens. That could take a really interesting name off the market. This market is just not like a solve our problems market. And Emily never really is, but it feels especially so right here. And I, I wonder in all the meetings they're having and the, the much more time they spend thinking about this, I, I wonder how the Cavs are really, really going to view. This. I think you really have to be creative and more d- dynamic than you are static when it comes to this offseason. I think trades are the more viable path to kind of fix some of these issues for Cleveland's roster, but Kobe Altman did make it explicitly clear, and like maybe that was just him not showing his hand or whatever, but he did seem to make a point that there's no wholesale changes coming to this roster in terms of or like dramatic sweeps, I should say, rather. So, And like you said, like there's Harrison Barnes. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Sacramento. I've looked into it, and I've just read stories about it as well. Like He's expressed a desire to remain in Sacramento. Trey Lyles is another guy I thought of too, but also a guy that Kings are going to try and prioritize in free agency. I agree with you on the Kelly Oubre take, and who knows where he ends up. He can end up with any team, but it probably won't be Cleveland just because it feels like you're kind of forcing the issue a little bit there on the wing spot. It doesn't really fit the need you have, and after that, the list kind of just gets thinner and thinner, and you look at guys that maybe aren't like true like 3-4 type players, looking at guys that have the size of a 1, but play more of the 2, and sometimes like super small ball 3, and like that's a little bit of a trip, a precarious position to be in. And I agree with you on the Bruce Brown situation. That's a guy last offseason. I said like, yeah, the cash should probably look into getting Bruce Brown just because sure. His numbers were probably a little exaggerated in Brooklyn, just given the situation, but he was such a key piece for the Nuggets winning the championship. And as you had noted, I'm sure people are going to speculate about his future. Uh, that's part and parcel of being a championship team is sometimes guys will go get that bag after they win the title. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Denver tries really hard to try and keep Bruce Brown and just keep building off the success that they've already kind of established. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. Um, it's a really thin market. I think it was John Hollinger or maybe Bobby Mark said it as well. Like they said, don't be surprised if a lot of teams are making more moves than they do free agency signings just because mm-hmm. of how thin the market is and how like the new CBA does restrict certain things for certain teams. And you have to kind of, get really creative in this team building process to possibly build parity, but just look ahead to it. You, you had mentioned Dylan Brooks as well. We talked about him at length and how neither of us are really a huge fan of it from the off court stuff, but like from a pure basketball sense, it, it somewhat makes sense, but I just don't know what Dylan Brooks you're going to get. And also you are a team that is Cleveland where it's, it's not like golden state where you have like a Draymond, a clay, a Steph, a Steve Kerr, you have like a, a, a depth of just established veterans and dudes. You clearly run the show and kind of keep things in order. Uh, Dylan Brooks could be a dude who's just a little too volatile, and that's just still my stance at the end. Of the- yeah, I, I want to talk about him because I, I, I think there are things about him that I could talk myself into, even if I am still skeptical. The other the other name that I would say if you wanted to look at is I still would be interested in, in Max Struess. We'll see what that costs. We'll see you know, what that really looks like ultimately in terms of a price and in terms of does he want to stay in Miami what does that look like I think is an open question but 
that free agency is not I, I would say this free agency broadly for the Cavs is not going to be the most exciting thing in the world no the the, the Cavs are going to be they're going to make moves this offseason at least you'd hope so like I, I don't think they're going to fully run this whole thing back but they are not going to be as big a mover and shaker as they were compared to when they acquired Donovan Mitchell. One, because they're asset poor now. Two, they are really staring down the barrel of, okay, we kind of have to figure out what we have internally and then complement that. Like, they're not going to go get another all-NBA player or another all-star. They just need to find guys that are actually viable for the rotation, and so do so does every other team in the NBA, too. Like, everybody's trying to get better. It's like the Cavs got to be hyper-competitive market. All right, after this, we're going to go into my first one, which is, do they actually stay patient? This is something they've preached. And I'm just going to say, I, I'm i not 100% skeptical or calling BS, but I'm a little skeptical. We'll explain, I'll explain why after this. But first, got to tell you about our friends at eBay Motors. eBay Motors uh, is for championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories... Head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit and the right price is at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guarantee Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. Thanks again, Lockdown Cavs listeners, for making us your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to be back tomorrow talking about more things that will define the Cavs offseason, and I think we're specifically going to talk a little bit about the draft there, so make sure you tune in for that. All right, Evan, my, my first one here is patience and is do the Cavs actually remain patient? This is, if there is a theme of what Kobe Altman said at the end of the regular season, at the end of the playoff loss, I should say, it was that they were going to be patient. They didn't fire J.B. Bakerstaff. If, they were, if, they were, if this was a team that was decidedly not going to be patient, Bakerstaff would have been gone and they would have got it in the coaching hiring pool. They didn't do that. There hasn't been rumblings of a significant shakeup. There's speculation and all of, of things they could do or I mean could not do. But they've preached patience. And and here's what I'm wondering. Do does that actually hold true and to what degree does it hold true? Is it like a we truly run a back situation? Do they really just tinker on the edges? Is there some kind of unexpected trade that does kind of move the needle in a certain way and is a little bit more aggressive? Because I do think if I'm them, I look at I look at where the league is at. There is I think there are tiers of really good teams, right? Like, and I don't think they're in the elite, elite tier as of right now. But I think we're also in a situation where there is some parity. And there are a lot of teams, including the Cavs, who, who said, hey, with a good offseason, things work right for us, our talent develops, we can make a run at something next year. I think you could talk yourself into that. And I don't think a team that believes that sh- and, and has Donovan Mitchell at this point and with, with, with a contract situation really should feel like they can 100% just be patient because they... They, they have all the time. I just never would assume you have all the time in the world to, to maximize whatever your team is. Yeah, I, I don't think they have all the time in the world necessarily because you do need to figure out what's going on Donovan, or not what's going on with Donovan Mitchell. Rather, you convince him to stick around long-term with what you're building. Um, 
But just looking through the lens of next year, uh, I think like the Nuggets are an elite team, especially because they have that championship swagger. I think there's other teams out there that I consider elite, like Milwaukee. We'll see how the coaching situation shakes out and obviously just how the rest of free agency goes for them. But like they have Giannis, who's one of the best players in the world. So like they're they're up there for me too. But um, being patient is an interesting approach because this, this Cavs team is an organization where they play with their cards very close to the vest. They kind of they they are like lasagna the real g's that move in silence at times because the donovan mitchell trade i know they were linked to the Cavs at one point or donovan mitchell was linked to the Cavs at one point but it felt like a foregone conclusion he was going to new york but i i always use the term patient and pragmatic to describe the Cavs. like jared allen is another example of it like they, they have players they clearly like they have players they clearly want to add to what they're building and they will approach it when they can then if it doesn't work maybe they just keep it in their back pocket and look at it later but i think it's fair and we talked about how listen there's no sweeping changes so jb's job is safe um there's probably going to be not like any dramatic changes on the assistant coaching staff unless like some shakeup happens just based on the new coaching hires and maybe college jobs opening up etc but other than that I, I just think maybe there's like a thinner, I don't want to say leash, but maybe the ice is a little thinner under JB next year. Um, if a move does materialize or a trade does manifest between now and June and mid to late August before the start of training camps in September, like the, a lot of stuff can change between now and then. But for now, I, I just think things are going to be more or less the same with some minor alterations. And you have to kind of see how this keeps building and growing. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Kobe Altman has more job security than I think, but just historically speaking, like Dan Gilbert isn't an owner that's known to be patient at times. So I'm surprised the Cavs are taking this approach, at least making it their mantra. And for now, just kind of just keep an eye on the situation. Like if JB struggles out the gate or if they get to the postseason, they flame out again. Yeah. Then I think some wholesale changes need to happen to this team, especially because you'll now only have very limited time left with Donovan Mitchell on your team you kind of have to pivot and figure out like what the next steps are. But that, that's a conversation for this time next year, of course. Kobe Allman, by the way, does have a contract through 27-28, so he's not heading towards any lame duck period. There will be uh, like two presidential cycles before Kobe Allman's contract runs out. J.B. Bickerstaff's is a year less than that. There is financial reasons in that like they wouldn't do anything there to kind of like swap that out. Evan, here, here would be my, my question. If you were... To not be patient. What would you say would be the mechanism? The, 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 if you're the Cavs, what would be the best way to not be patient? Considering you're not going to change the coach and you, you don't have a ton of assets. What, what to you would be like the, the way that is maybe not being patient without really just going all in and doing something unwise in, in some way? Like, is there, is there something you can think of that would strike you as kind of somewhat like towing the line of aggression? and patience that doesn't stray away from what they said, but also actually does kind of maybe move the needle a little bit for next season. I think for me, the only way I can really see it changing is just what I said before. We have a lot of time between now and mid June to late August, early September, um, just for things to change, things to kind of manifest differently. Again, like a lot of teams are expected to be making trades to improve their rosters and kind of just shake things up a little bit. Like, Maybe other teams around Cleveland uh, start making moves and the Cavs become opportunistic to maybe become a third team to get a wing player that addresses their need more 
clearly, or maybe there's a team that just makes them an offer for Jared Allen that they just simply can't refuse. So unless something like that just manifests in the ether, which I just don't see it happening right now, um, that's where I see it just kind of playing out. And I'm more so of the mentality, at least that not heading into this off season, but like maybe two, three, four months into the regular season. Like we have a wholesale conversation like, okay, the Cavs did this, this, and this in free agency. Here's how it's impacting them. Did it kind of solve a lot of the issues or are we seeing more of the same where they start out super hot, start to burn off a little bit, and then they completely flame out at the worst possible. The one that I would say is I would just say I wouldn't, I don't think it happens, but I would say if there is a move that would shake things up, it's a Jared Allen trade. That, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't really, they have, it's a big three. I understand people can say the core four, all that stuff, but the players that most matter, the most on this team are Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Evan Mobley. You might be selling low on Allen just because he just kind of got punked up in the playoffs and it didn't go well for him. But if we're going to say if there's a way to keep your core together and trade a notable salary, it would be that I think that's that's the way to do that would be easier said than done than like a Levert sign and trade because who's signing and trading for Karis Levert? You could you I think there's a world where you could talk yourself into trade Jared Allen. You bring in another piece of that similar number. You're planning for the future a little bit with the aprons to come as well. Mm-hmm. And you go get a center at a different at, with maybe your Emily though. That's where that comes in. And you do something else and you shake it up that way while still kind of running back some of the main stuff. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think other levers around the league would have to get pulled to kind of unlock something that would allow them to trade for Jared Allen. But that would be that would be the one to me. If that did they pivot, it it would be that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like it's tough because you just like think of like teams uh, that have a need at the center position. It's few and far between just because it's not a position of need for most squads because either you develop a guy on a rookie scale contract and you end up like a team like Phoenix who regrets extending DeAndre Bate none of that much money and are probably going to look to offload him this summer and likely ends up in Indiana or you are comfortable with just either signing veterans or just drafting guys and working through that process instead. So it's just hard to find like a tangible, like, okay, yeah, this team makes so much sense other than like maybe Charlotte has a team that could use Jared Allen. But like, then you look at the Hornets, what the heck are the Hornets going to get back to the Cavs that like the Cavs actually entertain the uh, trade talk for? It's it, it would be interesting to see if a team would just rather try to like get Yaka Pirtle and not have to give up stuff. That's, it's, yeah, that's the thing. Like if Toronto lets Pirtle walk, then Toronto enters the conversation for Jared Allen, a team that was at least viewed as maybe an outside threat to re-sign him and then Cleveland locked that up right away. But other than that, there's not much of a market out there. All right, we're going to come back after this. we got one more on today's episode, and, and will they get younger and more athletic is a question Evan has. I'm going to let him kind of tee off on that and see where we go there. But first, got to tell you about our friends at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make your way to FanDuel right now because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They have great promotions every day. It is a safe and secure app, and you get paid instantly. I, I know this firsthand because my Nuggets title future just I cashed say, on I, FanDuel. I, I thought of you when they won. I'm like, Chris just made some cash. I, I made a cool 80 bucks on my one of my free 
bets when they came online in Ohio, and I cashed out 80 bucks last night. That is going into the travel beer fund for myself later this summer when I'm in New York City and, and other places around the, the, yeah. the United States. Heck yeah, brother. There's no better place for all that playoff action, all the baseball action now, MMA, golf, all that stuff. The U.S. Opens this weekend. Other than America's number one sports book, visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Evan, talk to me about why you're thinking about youth and athleticism when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers this offseason. So you look at how the postseason went. Isaac Okoro's shot wasn't there. Maybe the trust in your staff wasn't either. You really only had five players that are viable for you. Um, and then you saw Ricky Rubio get minutes, and he just completely flamed out. Um, in the past, it's it's Ed Davis, it's Robin Lopez, maybe Tristan Thompson coming off the bench, or Andre Drummond for a hot second, too. Just guys that make sense, especially just in the Ed Davis, Robin Lopez uh, vein, like that are a lot older. And if you're the Cavs, injuries pitching the butt at times last year, they bite everyone in the butt. And if you're Cleveland, like you have a pretty strong young foundation between just. Mitchell, Garland, and Mobley. You sprinkle an Allen at that. Okoro fits into the age bracket, and so does Levert to an extent as well. And like you kind of want to find guys that are in their maybe like mid to early late twenties versus guys that are kind of in the twilight of their career. So when you need to maybe throw something at the wall and hope it sticks come postseason time, it's a guy who has a little bit more bounce in his step and maybe can be a little bit more of a reliable option. This is just kind of the thought process too, where you approach this like we need to get wing depth and shooting and just focus on that lens for sure but more than anything like you want to just kind of find guys that are like more reliable or if you want to give guys a night off whether it's garland or mitchell or mobley or allen and like you have a younger guy you can plug in there and just give like burn and experience like you don't have to worry about me burning them out or again i just think the ricky rubio thing and i'm like he is he he looks like a shell of himself out there and the Cavs need to just add some younger bodies to make this more just a five or six man rotation I think they got to get a little bit bigger too. I think would be the other addendum I would have on this because I think we've seen like the teams in the in the play. Yeah, it's just like I I think there are skill sets of guys and templates of guys that thrive in the playoffs that they just they they can handle. Denver made aggressive moves to get bigger on the wing, right? Cleveland needs some real size and some strength. I think on the wing, Miami has that. Boston had that in droves. Like even Philly had versions of that, right? So. I think the youth thing is good, and and I th- I think you got to be willing to give some guys some opportunities. I think that also means really zeroing in on good two eight contract candidates and seeing where that goes. Um, and and I I think athleticism in terms of just the explosiveness I think from guys could also be good. But I, I think the size the size part of it I would if I were to rank them and and if I'm putting size in there I would probably go size youth athleticism because I. You have to pair the athleticism with all of that for it to work, right? Like, that, and that's kind of the point. But I, I, size is—I just feel after watching the playoffs and just what and just thinking about like what worked for teams that made the finals this year. I, I think size on your on, at the wing spots and especially is kind of paramount. I think that has to be something that really, really zero in on the summer in some way. 
Yeah. So when I when you say size, do you mean at the just the center position exclusively? Or are you talking like no. those three, four no, type I mean, players? I mean like I mean twos, threes, and fours. Like look at Boston. Like Boston had Grant Williams, but like Derek White's a bigger guard. Marcus Smart's a bigger stronger okay. guard. I think you gotta find guards we're, we're that in, can, we're in agreement yeah. then. You need guys I think across the board, you need guys that's that scale up defensively. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that just gives you roster fluidity and rotation fluidity where you can go small, you can go big, you can do a little bit of everything in between. Just throw out funkier lineups allow to be more dynamic than static. Like you think of players who have played in the Cleveland in the past leading up to this point, like Larry Nance Jr. makes a lot of sense. It's just like that guy who can be like a three, four or even a five type player for them, but he's not gonna be available by the Pelicans. Or you look at like Larry Markinen who is now an all-star and an ascending star for the Jazz. Like, he would make sense, but he would be backing up a lot of your guys at this point, too. And, like, that just makes it even trickier, even murkier. Like, it's hard because, like, you look at it, like, we are talking about this before the show. If Bobby Portis was available, like, you look at him, you're like, okay, he can play the four predominantly. He provides spacing, but he can also give you some small ball five stuff and also just a lot of energy and athleticism and hustle off the bench. Like, the, you look at that vein and maybe it's like, um... Uh, Dario Saric or something like maybe like you make like a do you take a flyer on like a guy who is younger ish but like not to the age of Ricky Rubio or Robin Lopez but like guys that can provide you just versatility and creativity to make just everyone's life easier on a night basis yeah I, I'm I think one of the things we'll do the week of free agency is really profile some names that kind of fit the parameters um, and play style and kind of things we think could work but I like I am really curious to see just how many of these guys... This this goes back to segment one, I think, Evan, to kind of wrap this up. I think their biggest challenge the whole summer will be fight, squeezing out as much value in the things they need on a really limited budget. Yeah, it's... Balling on a budget is going to be the Cavs. A, a budget, of course, of like 10 plus million and like that's sweet spot for the MLE but like they, they don't have the luxury of like cap space like the Rockets do who could be like dramatically different by the time the summer wraps up like the Cavs just kind of have to be creative keep saying this like be dynamic not static alright we're gonna end there everydayers are gonna be back on tomorrow's thing again for making us your first listen everyday we're gonna dive into another three Cavs topics that are going to define the offseason. Until then, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Demerol. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his work on production.